I told Kathy this afternoon, I have always enjoyed preaching at Mount Air. And you've, if you've been here any length of time at all, you, you understand that. I, I say that every time I come, and I do. Uh, this church, for me, just preaches good. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity that your pastor has given me. Wherever he's at tonight, right about now, he's scared to death. Because, he, he, seriously, he just realized, what did I do? I left my church in Dave's hands. <laughs> Is that not true? <clears throat> but I do. I, I've been excited since the very moment he called me. God gave me, and I know that, God gave me a message. And uh, <clears throat> to the Mount Air folks, I, I say this periodically. Somebody asked, how long has it been? I've preached here since I left to go to Mount Calvary, I mean to Calvary Hill. I have, uh, I think, preached here one time in the last five years. Talk to your pastor about that. Would you do that for me? <laughs> Even if he wasn't my brother, I would say this. He is one of the most committed men of God I know. Amen. I mean that. Go ahead. <laughs> you are blessed. And he is blessed to pastor the second best church in the PBA. Huh? Calvary Hill, is that not true? Yeah. Oh, yeah, all right, there we go. By the way, not just tonight, you may or may not know this, but your pastor has graciously allowed and invited us to come along beside you for this meeting. Our folks are going to be here every night. So uh, if you see somebody here tonight and you don't see them tomorrow, please let me know uh, <laughs> what they look like and, you know, give me some kind of description. I'll know who it is. But just like your church, we have been praying, I've been preaching, and we've been preparing for revival. That doesn't mean it's going to come. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? I want revival for me. I want revival for my people. I want revival for everyone here tonight. And what God led me to do tonight is a little different in that I'm here, hopefully used by God, to prepare the way for the rest of the week. I know Dr. Hollingsworth did a great job this morning. I'm looking forward to uh, John Avant for the rest of the week. You know, normally in a sandwich, <clears throat> you put the meat between two slices of bread uh, Dr. Shorter put the bread between two slices of meat. And I'm looking forward to it. But I'm here tonight for God to get us ready for whatever he has in store for us this week. If you have your Bibles, you're, you're going to recognize the passage. Acts chapter 2. And tonight we're going to look <clears throat> at the very first church revival and the reality is it really wasn't a revival because a revival is just that we're going back and we're redoing something to get to where God would have us to be so what we're actually looking at tonight is the first vival can you can you say vival say vival oh no that's pitiful come on say it like you mean it vival 
So tomorrow night, you can tell your pastor, your brother taught us how to talk hillbilly. He's kept talking about Bible, not a revival. But we're looking at the first Bible as we see God beginning the church as we know it and as we celebrate it. The church as we know it was being birthed and, and the disciples were just like proud daddies. Have you noticed all of the unique ways that they're having uh, baby gender revelations, how they're revealing baby genders? I've seen them hit balls. I've seen them shoot things and uh, just everything in the world. Can you just imagine the excitement and the enthusiasm building with the disciples as they were looking forward to this, this infant church coming into existence and, and the conversation maybe between them. One said, oh, mm, I just pray that it's, it's going to be a little Pentecostal. One of the other decided, oh, no, no, we're going to have a baby Baptist. And still another, uh, another disciple says, oh, no, it is going to be a pretty Presbyterian. And finally, one, one old disciple said, no, it's going to be a mighty Methodist. By the way, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> now, if you're here and you're Methodist, I'm just teasing, all right? I'm just teasing. But they were excited. And as we look at that first revival, there's three things tonight I want you to be very much aware of if we're to have revival here this week. Look at your text. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven. First observation in that first Bible, God showed up. Can I get an amen? God showed up. There will never be revival until God shows up. You can have great music like we've had tonight. Hasn't the music been great tonight? You can have great music. You can have great fellowship among one another. You can have great preaching. You have great crowds. Wonderful, wonderful crowd tonight. There can be excitement and enthusiasm in the air, but you will never have revival until a holy God shows up and ordains that meeting with his power and his presence. God showed up. God has to show up in your church before there will ever be revival. God has to show up on the campuses of our schools before there will ever be revival. God has to show up wherever you work before there'll be change and revival. God has to show up in your home, in your family, before there ever will be change and revival in your house. God has to show up. Now, How can you tell the difference when God shows up and when he doesn't? The unexplainable happens. That's how you tell the difference. The year was 1734. Dave Storey was just an infant. <clears throat> I'm sorry, did, did I say that out loud? I, I did, didn't I? December of 1734, the first revival of real significance in Northampton, Massachusetts. A young preacher boy who would become a legend in his 
own ministry by the name of Jonathan Edwards was a pastor. After preaching for months and just experiencing fruitless labor, very, very little was happening. Five or six people had been converted. Finally, a young woman was saved one night. And I'm reading verbatim what he said. She had been one of the greatest company keepers in the whole town. A very kind way of describing her vocation. And he feared her conversion would douse the flames of God. And yet the very opposite happened because God showed up. And in the ensuing weeks and months, more than 600 people were saved in a town that only boasted 1,100 people total. You see, when God shows up, the unexplainable happens. When God shows up, broken lives are put back together. When God shows up, broken homes are restored. When God shows up, broken promises are renewed. I wonder tonight, how many of us in this great crowd, how many of us have made promises to God in our lifetime and broken them? How many of us had prayed, said, Lord, if you'll just do this for me, I'm going to do this for you in return. And we've never kept that promise. And we wonder why our lives are so powerless. We wonder why we don't see the hand of God in our home and family. We wonder why we don't see the power of God unleashed in our Sunday school classes and in our churches. And a holy God is in, wait a minute, you lied to me. You lied to me. You made a promise that you didn't fulfill. But when revival comes, God shows up and broken promises are renewed. And brokenness is, re is replacing the pride and arrogance that pervades so many of our churches today. I know there are times in my life, maybe yours, I know there are times in our churches we have to be an embarrassment to God. We can talk a good game. Brother Dave, we can sing a good game. And we can even draw crowds. But God looks from the heavens and just shakes his head because I'm not there. I'm not welcome there yet. That first Bible, God showed up. Look at verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and, and they rested on each one of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. There were two supernatural elements that were indicative of God's Spirit in this setting. See, when revival comes and it's real, not only does God show up, God's Spirit shows up. And He shows up in power and might. A violent rushing wind and and tongues of fire. Wind has been used throughout Scripture as a picture of God's Spirit. This particular experience is said, like a a violent rushing wind indicative of the power of God's Spirit just invading their presence. But he went a step further. Fire was also used. But it was a picture of God's presence. So between the two of them, what he was saying, the power of God and the presence of God was evident as his Holy Spirit showed up. Folks, let me tell you something. We can meet all week. We can meet all month. If the Spirit of God doesn't show up in this place, there will never be revival. Amen? You understand? You cannot have revival without the presence of the Spirit of God. We need to be praying tonight that God would just unleash His Spirit tonight. In our midst. Now, how can you tell when the Spirit of God shows up? Listen to me. This is critical. Man's will will be replaced by the will of God. Amen? That's when you know the Spirit of God, not only He has shown up, but He has taken over. All of our lives, there is a constant battle and struggle between my will and God's will. If you are still calling the shots in your life tonight, young or old, it really doesn't matter. You can't have revival as long as you are large and in charge in your life. You cannot have revival. As long as you think you know more than God does, you cannot have revival. You know when the Spirit of God is in the house, when all of our plans and orders of worship, when everything that we were thinking is displaced and replaced only, this is what God wants because His Spirit is here and leading and directing. Let me give you an example. Maybe right in the middle of this message. The Spirit of God grips someone's heart here. You know you're having revival, like that first Bible. When in the middle of the message while I'm preaching, you get up and you come down here and you hit this altar and you begin to pray. You know you're having a revival when someone hits this altar while the preacher is preaching and two or three others come from all over the building and gather around them and pray. You can't have revival. You can have meetings. You can have good, godly, Christian fellowship. You can't have revival until the Spirit of God shows up. And the greatest hindrance, church, listen to me, 
the greatest hindrance to the work of God in the church today may very well be our stiff-necked stubbornness and desire to live life on our terms. Amen? Now, you can come every night this week. But if you're bucking the Spirit of God, what do you mean, Brother Dave? If you know the Spirit of God is knocking at your heart's door, if you know the Spirit of God has been working in your heart and life, and you can walk through those doors tonight and leave without any surrender to what the Spirit of God is calling you to do, you're in charge. There'll never be revival in your life, in your home, in your family, and in your church. Why? Because I'm stubborn, I'm stiff-necked, and I have a burning desire to live life on my terms. The older I get and the more I talk to people, the greater the realization in today's church, even in good churches, people are more concerned with their desires and how it should be instead of God's. Ooh, it gets quiet. It always gets quiet when you hit truth. Amen? In that first revival, as the church was being birthed, there was an air of excitement and enthusiasm and, yes, even confusion. God had shown up. His spirit was very much at work in their midst. And because of that, the third thing, the church Woke up. Can I get an amen? Oh, mercy. How I desire to see the church wake up. You know what, Mount Airy? Your pastor up here, and I know he does a great job in the pulpit. But this church woke up on a Sunday morning. It'd scare him to death. It would. Calvary Hill? Now, don't you snicker. If you woke up on a Sunday morning, I'd probably have another heart attack. <laughs> if we're going to have revival, the church has to wake up. Look at the rest of our text there, beginning in verse 5. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing, hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why, why are all of these who are speaking Galileans? Look down at verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them. In our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying, listen church, saying to one another, what does this mean? You see, when revival comes, 
When God shows up and his spirit is alive and well, working in the lives of his people, there is no explanation for what God is doing. Even the church will pause and take note. Lord, what in the world are you doing in this place? We've never seen this before. We've never experienced this before. Lord, what are you doing? And they were just amazed. No explanation. You see, there is no explanation when you see a holy God heal the sick and the diseased. There is no explanation when you see a holy God giving sight to the one who has been blinded by drugs and alcohol his or her entire life. There is no explanation when you see God restoring homes and families. There's no explanation when you see God providing for the physical needs of his people. When there is no other resource and there is no explanation when you see God moving among his people. Setting a fire burning deep within their hearts. And we have to ask. What's going on here? My church can testify, and I'm sure you can with your pastor, but the last six weeks, I've preached, I've prayed, I've cried, I've poured my heart out. I want to see revival in both our churches. I want to see revival in our communities. I want to see a fresh moving of God among his people. God, listen to me, church. God will never force himself on his people. Did you hear me? That's that free will that so many struggle with and they don't understand. God has given you the free will to embrace him and everything that includes or reject him. There is no other choice. You're going to embrace God and what he's trying to do are you going to reject him and walk away? There is no explanation for revival except this. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Amen? I'm listening for that sound tonight. I want to hear God as he makes a visit to this church coming from the heavens. I want to see the moving of God's spirit in every row, every pew, every gender, and every generation. I want us to leave here tonight asking this question, what happened? Never seen anything like that. Been in church all my life. I've never seen a move of God like I saw tonight. Because your willingness to be obedient tonight will set the pace for the rest of this week. God's given us a chance tonight. 
Now I want you to bow your head for just a moment, please. theme of this revival if I understand it correctly is just simply surrender I wonder how many of our church leaders from both churches would do that tonight and set the example deacons, teachers other church leaders would just come tonight and just surrender say Lord it's, it's no longer about me and my will it's all about you and what you want I wonder how many would gather around this altar tonight and say, God, would you please show up tonight? Would you just open up the heavens and rain down your spirit upon us tonight? God, would you just shake us tonight in such a way that we would leave here in amazement asking what in the world happened tonight? Would you do that? Would you be that bold? Do you want to revival that badly that you'll surrender tonight and say, Lord, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what you're going to ask of me. I'm yours tonight. I'm yours. Maybe you're here tonight and nothing I've said makes sense to you because you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You don't know the Lord. Do you understand how you could make my night tonight by just coming and say, Dave, would you introduce me to Jesus Oh, what a blessing that would be to kneel here at this altar and introduce you to Jesus Christ. I just wonder how many of us are willing to be serious with God tonight. Now look this way. Look this way. My people are used to hearing me say this, but the altar has always represented God's presence among his people so everything I shared in these last few moments you can do where you are seated you can pray the prayers you can make commitments you can repent where you're seated but the altar has always represented the presence of God among his people <clears throat> it just takes more spiritual guts to step out from among my peers and walk down to this altar Brother Dave, what are they going to think? Who cares? We need to be more concerned with what God thinks. What God knows. And what God is trying to do tonight as he's trying to show up and bring revival and the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. So have you got any spiritual guts tonight? Is there any brokenness? Is there any pride that's going to be conquered tonight? Are there any sins that need to be confessed before God and repented of tonight? God, please. Please. Bring revival tonight. And God, begin in me. And I mean that. Break me. Do whatever you need to do bring revival don't bring revival to Mount Airy don't bring revival to Calvary Hill God bring revival in the hearts of your people because we are all one tonight
please, please do tonight what cannot be explained. And I pray this in Jesus' name.